Paul Alcoholic. Hello, everyone. Now, this isn't a regular AA meeting, and um, I think I said I would share on four, five, six, and seven. Well, I've changed my mind. No. no. no we're gonna, I'm going to try to stick. But uh, if, you, if you haven't been here the last two nights, you really missed a lot. Really. It's very big, powerful meetings. <laughs> um, <laughs> quick recap, yes. We're fucked. And, and there is a solution. Yes, that's, that's basically it. So uh, I'm going to start on step four. I know a lot of people around here, they give out fourth step workshops. I don't know how they do it, but I'm going to, the emphasis for me is the idea of uh, recognizing the manifestations of self as how it's defeated us, yeah? And to, like we've been sharing for the last two, three nights, there's a statement on page 64 uh, on the third paragraph. It says, being convinced that self manifested in various ways. So being convinced means to believe with certainty, yeah? And so it would be a present tense state if you are being convinced. You're, you're, uh, you're believing with certainty. It's not like I, be I believed in certainty and I hope I'll believe in certainty. It's an act now. You're in it now. I'm believing in certainty. What? And then the next thing is that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So that's the basic before you go in, in, in the inventory. We're in the act of being complete. Uh, being convinced or believing in, with certainty that self manifested in various ways has defeated us. Now, what I want to emphasize is the difference between self and us. Yeah, because to me, it's 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 the it's the linchpin really of the of the program. Because if I have a disease and I'm calling it me, the disease has me basically. Yeah, like a lot of people have had cancer, but they never thought they were cancer. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a different type of disease. It's a disease of the mental state. You can't get an x-ray of it. And it's movement, almost like a parasite. Knowing its own hostility to the host, it convinces the host that it's the host. Yeah? So basically, the disease of alcoholism talks to you as you. Yeah, talks to you as you. It communicates through the thought system. And as Bill W. says, the problem... Yes, I'll fix that. There'd be light. No, actually, this is good. Oh, what is this? <laughs> That's how most people are. Convinced, unconvinced, convinced, unconvinced, convinced, unconvinced. I believe with certainty the light would stay on. Yes? And it would be stabilized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, so this being convinced that self, and when I speak of self, I'm not speaking about what we call an ego or anything like that. Because if you listen to people share about an ego, they'll say, I have an ego, and, or I've lost an ego, yes? So that which you take yourself to be is the one that thinks it has an ego and the one that loses the ego. It's the same. That, to me, is the bondage of self. It's, not ha it's bonded to the idea of self when it loses an ego. It's bonded to the idea of self when it has an ego. Yeah? Yeah. So the, being convinced to believe with certainty that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. 
And so if you just listen to that statement, we would be categorized as us, yeah? And then there would be some foreign installment, something, whatever it is, a disease, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it demonic possession, foreign installment, parasitical movement. But there's something that's other than us that has taken over us, yeah? And it defeats us, not by itself, but by its manifestations, yeah? Because what it does, it produces perceptions through us. It sees threats where there aren't any threats, yeah? It dwells on yesterday and tomorrow completely at the expense of now. It has its traits that we all demonstrate. It's not like it has 8,000 traits. It demonstrates in 8,000 hosts, but a very, very short string of traits, yes? It sees everything and how it pertains to it. Yeah? It dwells in time. It doesn't give a fucking shit about this moment, except to use it to think about yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah? And it doesn't have a life, so it has to have a life. Yeah? It doesn't have its own life, so it has to have a life by taking over the host. So he's saying this idea of self, and let's say alcoholism, yeah, is, is defeating us by its manifestations. Now, the manifestations don't come through self, they come through us, but when they come through us, we call them ours, yeah? So, it produces a sense of threat when there isn't any, so then there's an anxiety or a fear arises, yeah? The fear gets expressed, and when it gets expressed, what we are calls it my fear, yeah? When it's actually a manifestation of self. So it would, it would be like if Stanley was manifesting through Paul, and every time Stanley manifested something, and Paul recognized it, and Paul would call it mine, he would be in the act of being identified as Stanley. To me, this is the root of alcoholism, the act of being identified as Stanley, in a sense. So when alcoholism is manifesting through us, we call them ours. That's the bondage of self. Yes. A resentment is much different than my resentment. My resentment can, can spring a vendetta of 40 fucking years. Resentment comes and goes. Maybe you're pissed for a half hour, an hour, it dissipates. But my resentment has, is given life, yes? The same thing with anxiety. First of all, it's not fear usually, it's anxiety. Mental anxiety that the mental state's producing by occupying itself in yesterday and tomorrow. So it's a super afraid what it thought happened in the past is going to happen in the future. Or like we say in AA, you're afraid you're not going to get what you want or you're going to lose what you have, basically. It's not, even, it's not even matched with losing what you have. There's just a fear of losing what you have. You haven't even lost anything, but there's, there's a fear you're going to lose something. So this is, the, this is the aspects of alcoholism. It takes what's available as people, I call them action figures, and then it amplifies certain qualities and it mutes others. Yeah. So altruism, compassion, empathy, it mutes, right? Being, you know, terminal uniqueness, vindictiveness, wanting to be right, it amplifies. Yeah. So it really sort of mutes, let's say, some of the more expansive qualities, and it, and it expands on the contracting qualities. So we say it all the time, if you have a little bit of jealousy and you drink and use and you're an addict, 
you'll be up on stalking charges in a few months, yeah? It will amplify it. You'll think you have a right to, you know, go into her or his emails and everything, you know, shit like that. Everything changes. You'll have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. It's pretty good. Then she's deemed your girlfriend. Then you think you have a lot of rights to know where your girlfriend is and your, what she's doing and get on the phone and, you know, it goes insane, yeah? And this is just, these are just like, the popcorn, it's constantly popping out because really the exact nature of wrong is very rarely seen because you're looking from it. You're identified as a disease. How are you going to cast it off if you're calling it you? Have you ever been successful throwing yourself somewhere? Try it. Try to pick yourself up. Throw yourself. Or how can you abandon you? You can abandon you. You could say, I abandoned me, but there you are. It says abandon self. It says, abandon yourself to God. That's a different story because self isn't you. So you can abandon it. You can abandon what you're not to that power. You can't abandon what you are. You'd still be there. Just like when we were out there using, we used to have like little beaters and then we'd be running around. We'd have an accident, run into a tree and we'd just fucking abandon it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That time they didn't have great extensive you know, DMV things, just abandon it and walk away because it wasn't me. Yeah, I can, if it's not me, I can get out of it. You can't get out of what you're taking yourself to be. Yeah, it's impossible. It mutes all possibility of being free because you'll try to be free as the disease. And a lot of us are trying to get recovery as the disease. So, the fourth step to me is, it's, and it, there's many, many objectives, but the one we're going to speak about is seeing how self has defeated us by doing what? By looking at and writing down some of the common manifestations of self in our lives. No, not, there's nowhere it says they're yours. It's describing them as you're going to see the manifestations of the disease that move through you. So you look, you write down a resentment, and a resentment is the first, is to, is to refeel something. Sometimes you're really refeeling something that never even happened. But there's a refeeling, and in effect, if you look at your life, all there is is re. Refeeling, rethinking, redoing, rehashing. It's always on and on and on and on, like a loop. The only thing that changes is scenery and maybe some nouns, but it's basically the same old, same old. We're living an interpretation. Life is happening is way far gone. It's seen as life's happening to me. That's not living. That's interpretation. And it's coming from where the problem resides, which is the mind, the mental state. Primarily the thought system and the narration that we're living under. Yeah? This disease talks to us as us. That's why we're listening. That's why we have so much devotion to it. If you could see it was, it was your ex-wife, you would fucking never listen to it. <laughs> but because it's taken to be you, you've been listening to it for 40 years. It isn't, it isn't the fucking bulletin. It's who it's about. That's where the glue is. That's the bondage of self. It's identification. Yeah. So, all right. So, we look at the common manifestations of self in one's life, and the next paragraph is resentment, and then there's fear, and then you're gonna look at 
how you harm people in the pursuit of what you in the pursuit of what you wanted in the sexual arena. Yeah. So yeah. They don't go over all the manifestations. They go over three common ones because you don't have to go all of them. Three of them is enough to point to what's the cause, yeah? And the cause is not you. The cause is not you. So we write down the first, and you know, if you go to Joe and Charlie, I recommend them highly. They have those little printouts. Some people like to write it out. You know, it's like a novel, but I think that's way too much obsession with self. You aren't that important. Just do a, just do a, like a short little description. Hey, and this is how it goes. It's a four, do I need to go into it? Oh, I got to cover a lot of things. You all know it's a four column inventory. So let's just make it, the first column would be Wendy in this example, all right? What, what happened? Why do I resent Wendy? Well, she left me, okay? What part of my agenda did it affect? It actually affected the whole agenda, but let's look at it. My social, my show, social instincts, yeah. I thought I was a ladies' man, and her leaving doesn't put me in the best light. It affected my self-esteem, my social relationships with her friends and the maid. Um, <laughs> yes. How did it affect my material security? Well, I got I give up the BMW, start driving the Pinto again, got to move out to a nice house, go back to the little hovel I used to live in. So basically, it affected my ambitions towards material, emotional. Yeah, my material base is my emotional security sort of based on my material security my sexual ambitions yeah I'm never gonna have sex with Wendy again and know her maid you know so definitely it's affecting my desire for that so basically it seems to be a huge threat to my instinctual agenda yeah all right then we move on and then there's a point where you hit like between one and two like Wendy she did this and then maybe you try to look at her with a sense of forgiveness like perhaps she's sick too Yes. And then the third column, you do the instinctual look. And then you ask the fourth column, which is the real movement, because everyone tonight at a bar in Dover is doing the first two columns. They know who they're pissed at and why. But it just leads to another drink. Yeah. The whole point of recovery is to see your role in things. Yeah. That's the first wave of perhaps there's a better way, is realizing your role in a situation. And if you see it in one situation, it's going to be beget seeing in other situations. It just takes this one little match to start the fire. All right, so, all right, Wendy, she left me, affected my agenda. All right, you ask yourself four questions. Where was I or am I inconsiderate? Where was I, am I dishonest? Where was I or am I selfish? And was, was I, am I self-seeking and frightened? And I think inconsiderate and dishonest come from self-seeking and frightened and selfishness, really. So basically, there's two, selfishness and self-seeking and frightened. It's funny that they both have self in it, yes? I mean, she's, you know, you'll recognize the tree by its fruit. If the fruit is like self-orange, self-apple, self-grapefruit, it's fucking the self-tree, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not rocket science, you know. Fuck what? Yes. <laughs> Stop looking for the tree because there isn't one. Yeah. Know it by its fruit, the manifestations. Yeah. That's how we arrive at the culprit. Yeah. All right. So, selfishness, self. So, all right. I was selfish. I don't even really like Wendy that much, but I like the Pinto. I mean, I like the BMW. I like the maid. I like the food. I like that. Yes. 
I'm self-seeking frightened. I'm afraid now because, you know, I, what am I going to do without her? She's like my, uh, my meal ticket. Yes. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. And you get to see your, the real root of the, uh, the manifestation. All the little, like, uh, like confetti are just like ways of diverting your attention. Just get to the root of it. It's based self, self-seeking, frightened, selfishness, self-centeredness. That's it, really. Yeah? So then you do a number of the one. If you can do one from column one to four, you can do 800 of them. You got the formula. Yeah? You got the formula. As many names or as little names you have or principles that you're pissed at or institutions yeah, or places, then you can put them in that little, little machine. And it will produce an answer. And the great thing is it won't be your answer. Yeah? <laughs> it's a simple thing. And that little page, and I would say write it, that little page can have, you know, hold the heaviest thing in your head. It can hold anything you want to put on that paper. It can hold it easily. Yeah. So we, I'm going to go through these fast because I want to get to me. Six and seven is where I want to dwell tonight. So, all right. So then you do, you know, all the resentments, whatever, then fear. And now fear is interesting because resentment sort of is sort of seems like a threat coming at the instinctual drive and fear comes from the instinctual drive. So you're afraid of being destitute, but you have no real reason why you're afraid of being destitute. There's just the fear of being destitute. Yeah? You're not destitute. You have money. You have an account. You got a car. But it doesn't matter. You're afraid you're going to be destitute. So there's no, sometimes there's no second column. There's just the fear of destitution. And then you go to the third and go, all right, what's causing, what aspect of the agenda is causing that? Well, fear of being homeless, which would be material security. People aren't, you know, who's ever going to love me as a bomb? So your sexual ambitions, your self-esteem, your pride, all of those things at your head, the self is trying to manage are being threatened by the idea of destitution. And then the mental state has a fucking field day. You're not destitute. But now you start feeling like you're destitute. Yes? It's thinking you're going to be destitute overrides the moment that where you're not destitute and you start feeling like you're fucking destitute. You start looking like you're destitute. You start grabbing fucking things like ravenous. I got to get shit, you know, like it's not going to be there tomorrow. Yes. And people who see it have no idea because it does, there's no apparent threat. Because you're not responding to an apparent threat, you're reacting to mental, what's not happening. Yeah, because you're addicted to the thought system, basically. We could change the 12 steps and put thinking instead of drinking. Yeah, basically, because the thinking is what leads to the drink, basically. And then while you're drinking, they're still thinking. And if you stop drinking, they're still thinking. That's where the real root is of the problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the fear, you, you take it to th- through the third column, the fourth column, the same thing. You ask, where was I? Am I being selfish, self-seeking, and frightened? Again, the self-seeking doesn't say self-seeking or frightened. It's end frightened. Because when you're self-seeking, you're going to be frightened. Why? Because you're relying on a failed system, and you have a certain sense that you may not succeed because you haven't in the past relying on it, yeah? So it's not self-seeking or frightened, it's self-seeking and frightened, so you're, they're both, right? Self-seeking, and see, this is the trip. When you're in self-seeking and frightened, the emphasis will be on the frightened. You won't see the root of it, which is the self-seeking. 
A lot of people believe fear is the cause of a lot of shit, but what causes shit is self-reliance. It says it in our book. Why are you in so much fear today? And he doesn't let us answer, or we'd be here all night explaining why we're in fear. It says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? Now, what the hell does self-reliance look like? Well, to me, it looks like dependency and faith in the thought system. You're believing what's being told to you, really. And in that belief, you can produce an effect out of what's not happening. You can ruin tonight by thinking about next week. That's incredible. No Labrador does that. No fucking, you know, they don't. Yeah. So most of us, I think, are rooted in anxiety. We're calling it fear, but it's anxiety. And it's rooted in truly reliance on what you're not. Or, and even if you think it's you, it's a failed system. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's like a GPS with like maps from 1970. It's just fun. You keep going in there. It never, it never, it says your dis destination's ahead, but the, you never arrive at the destination you're thinking. You go to jail, hospitals, fucking detoxes. It's, but it says, yeah, right ahead's your destination. Oh, oh wait, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it the other night the faith that people have in even the gps in the cars i did a talk outside in a rural area in massachusetts we got there late and there was a big commotion near this rural railroad crossing and we pulled over and the cop came by, we rolled that window. I said, hey, officer, what's going on? He says, oh, a lady was listening to a GPS turned down on the railroad tracks. Even though she was feeling the bumpy, the faith had to go 15 yards down the fucking tracks because the head was going, you're 50 feet from your destination. <laughs> they had to get a tow truck to pull her out, a special one. That's what you're having in your freaking head right now. <laughs> We'll be relying on a failed system and it's produced the effects that we call us. It's sort of like a rose bush. We're all like a freaking rose bush in a lot of ways. And there's this one rose bush that doesn't flower, yeah? And it looks at all the other rose bushes that are flowering and stuff. And of course, this rose bush has self-centeredness. So it's blaming itself for, oh, I can't flower. What's wrong with me? I'll never flower, whatever. But if it's realized it's in a very small pot with lousy soil, no water, no sun. If you just took it out of there and transplanted it into a bigger pot with some soil, water, and sun, it's gonna fucking bloom. And this is what recovery does. It doesn't pull out of us what's not there. It takes out of us what we're at, that which we're not so that what we are can start shining through. Yeah. All right, so the fear, you do the inventory, blah, 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 to see. You see a pattern of how it defeated you. And what was helpful to me was if the selfing is running this, managing this whole agenda, uh, whatever it takes really important, that where, that's where most of its manifestations will be. So like for me, when I came in AA, they told me, you've got to be willing to save your ass instead of your face 
But I thought my face was my ass. Really. I thought my image was my ass. And I was living to save this. I was living to save my image. Yeah? And I was dying from it. Yeah? So you do the inventory, you'll see the patterns of how self has defeated us. You'll recognize what, and then if it shows you that it's your fucking physical or your whatever image, if that's where its manifestations are, bring that right to the third step. That's exactly the indication. Wherever the selfing is coagulating with, that most definitely is what you want to turn over to the care of something great in yourself. So basically, when you do the inventory, it points to other steps, obviously, yeah? That's the indication. So, all right, so let's go to the sex. The sex is a similar thing, four columns. And the interesting with, thing with me is when I did the sexual inventory, I realized all my acting out around sex had nothing to do with sex. It had a lot to do with self-esteem. I was trying to get self-esteem because I felt really bad by, about what I was doing deep down. But I figured if a beautiful lady went horizontal with me and let me you know, have, you know, be with her, that made me okay. Now it didn't make me okay for long, or if I saw like a blemish on her face three days later, she'd be out. And then I'd have to go, keep going out to get the reinforcement. So it, the drug was self-esteem, yeah? Yeah, and that was pretty cool to see because the, the self-esteem was the root of it. And then my sexual behavior changed when I was in AA and I had some, you know, I started doing esteemable acts and I started to feel satisfied, content. I wasn't driven out there. And so I had a, <coughs> oh, just a whole lot. To me, when I was doing coke, cocaine was my relationship. I got high on women. That's how it was. Women were a drug I took on the drug I was in love with. Yes, that's what, I, that's what happened. So when I came in, there was a, quite a lot of an objectification of me. And it's dangerous now because with all the porn on internet, you can get stuck up in a mental fantasy, which is in really inherently quite empty. You know what I mean? When I was doing coke, I could play out whatever my head came up with, and it just left me with a fucking huge emptiness. And this is what's happening now, because there's so much off it on the internet and stuff, and no one, you know, it's sort of like, we don't realize we already have virtual reality goggles on. It's called us, yeah? And people are just isolating themselves more and more. And uh, there's a great depiction of, of the effect of that in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a giant, uh, there's a guy, a big guy with a huge belly and a small mouth. It can never get enough. It's always feeling empty. And this is what mental fantasies do. There's no intimacy in mental fantasy, none whatsoever. No connection, no contact, really. Yeah. So the sexual inventory is a little different than the other two because we're attempting to build a new ideal for our sexual relations and all our relationships. So they add a, they add a fifth column after you do the four columns, and the fifth column is just asking yourself, what could I have done instead? So instead of before I slept with my friend's uh, wife, let's say, I could have called up like my sponsor or something like that. Hey, do you think it's a good idea me sleeping with my friend's wife? You know, just maybe, you know, 
run it by someone and get a different opinion that may have caused me not to do that. Instead of, and to me, my definition of an alcoholic and a recovered alcoholic is the recovered alcoholic calls you before they drink, the alcoholic calls you after they drink. After they drink, it's just damage control. Before you drink, that's the key. So, and to me, AA and this program isn't about stopping using. To me, it's about never starting. That's where the joy is, not starting. Yeah, there's thousands of managerial, managerial ways of how to try to stop, but just not starting is beautiful. And that, to me, is really the goal, I think, of recovery, is a, is a sense of contented abstinence, yeah? where you don't even think or care about the shit that you used to really think a lot and care about. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so I'm gonna move on. Step five is where we share with another human being uh, our fourth step, what we, what we came up to with our fourth step. And it's always has the higher power as a triangle. It's not just me and the other person, it's also with the higher power. You always bring in that, yeah? And so <coughs> by, what happens is you share your inventory with someone and they'll help point out maybe what you're not seeing and they'll help point out the patterns and sometimes they just hold the space for you to be all that you actually truly are not. And in that sense, there's a freedom from it because once up here, mountains of, you know, being made out of molehills and shit like this, this is more like a, a geo, geological map. It stays like that. You put it out there, share it with another person, and also take this time to share your secrets, really. I had one that from weird behavior I was doing, which I'm not gonna tell everyone now, <laughs> when I was about 11, and I had been keeping it secret for a long time, and I was assuming it was never gonna come out, but I was paying a lot of security guards, you know, keep it in there. It had a lot of space in my little life, and it was just dead space, and I finally, I decided to take a chance with this guy who I was doing the fifth step with, and I said something to him and he yawned through it. He missed it. So I said it twice in one night where I hadn't said it ever since I was 11. And I'll tell you, man, I've never gone back to thinking about that again. It's beautiful. And this is the beautiful thing. What AA is attempting to do is reclaim all the energy we've auctioned off through the takeover of the parasite. We have become so small in a certain sense. Yeah. All right, so they, that's, that's the five. I could go on more, but now six and seven to me is really the most active steps if you've been sober for a while. Because if you see alcoholism as our alcoholism, not yours, six and seven says, you know, we are entirely ready to have this higher power remove. What is it? No, we, and then, oh yeah, remove it. To me, I like the word reconfigure. I don't think you can remove energy. I think you can re reconfigure it, yes? So like, let's say hate would be crumpled up love, so to speak. So you uncrumple it and there's love, yeah? So all right, I'm entirely ready to have this removed and I humbly ask that power to reconfigure it, yes? So, I hum so what happens? When am I entirely ready? When it appears, hopefully, yes? Because I'm conscious now. I'm feeling this conscious presence of a something thing. I'm fucking above two levels of a coconut. I'm on. I can see what's, ha what's occurring where before I was, on I was at the consequential level. I'm starting to see things from the blueprint level. 
I can see it occurring. And I also hear a lot of it from people at meetings. So I do six and seven the most at AA meetings because people are talking about alcoholism. And something they say does a little uh, in me, or, uh, and that me like go, hey, I'm entirely ready to have this reconfigured, and I ask that power to do it because I notice if you the quicker you get out of the oven, the better. You don't want it to be like a forensic investigation. You want to catch it while the selfing is appearing, yeah. While because the parasite will appear in its manifestations, you'll see it, yeah. You'll see it through its manifestations. So when you see it. You go, I'm entirely ready to have that reconfigured, and then I ask that power to do it. You don't start trying to do something. AA is not a self-help program. It's a reliance on a power program. So you recognize, it's sort of like if I put out the garbage, I, I, I don't sit up all night looking through the blinds. Is the garbage man coming? I have faith the garbage man's coming because the next morning I usually see it gone, yeah? So, to, the program has definitely demonstrated it works for you. Even if you've been here for three weeks, you haven't drank in three weeks, it's demonstrated it's working. Yeah? When do we leave at, you know, the belief into a faith? Well, maybe it'll take one demonstration, maybe 800 demonstrations. AA will produce the goods. So I have faith that when I go, hey, I'm entirely ready to have it reconfigured, it gets reconfigured. And I believe in this meeting, we're, we're, in, we're really in the verb of tradition too. There's a loving God or a higher power expressing itself in our group conscience. That is a very strong booster rocket in this race here. So when I recognize alcoholism here and I ask it to be reconfigured, yeah, and that power, yes, I have a, this just seems to be a very strong oomph here. So six and seven is what I, is, the one I access the most now, basically, yeah? because if I'm not hearing it in my own life, I hear it in other people's lives. And alcoholism is alcoholism. It's not yours, it's not mine. So when I rec al recognize alcoholism there, I bring it up to six and seven. It's incredibly powerful. I See, we're supposedly in a 12-step, we're, do we're doing a 12-step at a meeting, but we could also be doing six and seven easily. Because you're going to hear a lot about alcoholism. And you're going to hear about a lot you don't want to see. And you don't, definitely don't want to be seen from anymore. So you recognize it. Surrender. Let it be reconfigured. That's juice to me. So that was a very quick four, five, six, and seven. <laughs> see, they only use two paragraphs in the book. And then you think you're done. Yeah? But... Alcohol, you know, alcoholism is a living verb, yeah? It continues on. So it's going to reveal itself over and over again, and you're going to see it. And so why not apply the reliance on something greater yourself to the event of seeing it? See it, make it available, and allow it to be reconfigured. Because basically, really, energy is energy. Hate, if you crumpled it and turned it something else, it would be love. Just like the faith, the power that we are right now, you could call faith. And faith is going to manifest in the vehicle it's put in. You see what it manifests when it's put in the vehicle of the mental state. The faith in the thoughts about yesterday and tomorrow is what produces the anxiety. 
Yesterday and tomorrow cannot produce any anxiety right now. They're not happening. Thoughts about them are happening. And us, as the haver of the thoughts, we get had by the thoughts we think we're having. We get had by them. And so one thought can ruin your week. <laughs> one feeling, I swear. You know, this, you know, sometimes my head, I don't, not now, but in past relationships, my head would say, I hate that girl, you know, I hate my girlfriend, but in my head, say it, maybe 40 times, in a, maybe in three days, no, no, 40 <laughs> times, a couple of years, let's say, but I never say it, so nothing seems to happen, but the one day I say it, yeah, uh, Maybe I go out and get drunk and I forget, but she doesn't forget, yeah? And then when I get home, nor does any of all her friends, because she's called them all. And so now I'm tattooed by the effect of that thought, because it got out, yeah? They may drive you crazy up here, but they won't put you in jail up here. They'll put you up in jail out there. If I, if the actions, if the thoughts compel an action, I'm going to suffer consequences. If they're your thoughts, they have a lot more propulsion behind them than if you see them as thoughts. And maybe the first step would be seeing some of the thoughts you're calling yours as alcoholic thoughts, and that will weaken their trajectory. They'll stay inside, so to speak. Yes? There won't be any acting out. There won't be any harm because, some, you know, you do something in five minutes out here and you got three years probation. <laughs> a lot of your analysis, I mean, seriously, there are heavy fucking consequences for us because we are very powerful beacons. We attract shit when you're loaded. You do, don't you? If I'm loaded at one in the afternoon, I'm arrested by five in the afternoon. At night, I have a longer you know, I can stay out longer in the dark, but if I'm in public, I'm arrested by five o'clock. Yeah. So you have to realize the power that we are, and you can see it in your own head. You're making shit out of nothing all day. That's a miracle. Jesus supposedly raised Lazarus from the dead, but at least Raz Lazarus was alive once. We're making shit out of nothing. It's <laughs> incredible. We're ruining our lives by next week and last week. That's you don't see that as fucking slavery. <laughs> so six and seven is the way to really have continually have that alcoholic tendency removed from you. So that it, what? That you'll do great? No, so that you'll be of maximum use to yourself and others. That's the agenda of AA, to be available to help other people achieve sobriety, practice these in principles in all your affairs. And I want to add, if you can't do it in all your affairs, limit your affairs for a while. Yeah? And just stay with this agenda and see what happens. And you and I will be the better for it. Can you imagine if all of us were unleashed on Dover? All the, just all the people right here, if they were following their old tendencies, there would be sirens out there. <laughs> Wouldn't there? Seriously. There would be domestic violence. There'd be tons of fucking shit. There's a power greater than us. 
that can override our most rudimentary drives to fuck up if we surrender to this program, if we submit ourselves to be changed. We will be changed, and that change will be directed by wisdom, and it will be growth. You will grow out of what you're not and into what you are. And you can feel the pause now in the room. That's what we are yelling. That pause, that silence is what we are yelling. I just want to read page 84. Because these are some of the effects if we follow this program. <laughs> which are beautiful, and not, it's not the nine-step promises, though those are cool. I like this, the bottom, the tenth-step promises. And we have ceased fighting every, anything or, or anyone, even alcohol. I would say even alcoholism. Really. And the, other, the idea of alcohol being cunning, baffling, powerful, I would say alcoholism. I don't think alcohol is cunning. I don't think that vodka is very cunning. <laughs> it's fucking a liquid. It's alcoholism is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Yeah, it's and it's actually alcoholism isn't really that cunning, baffling, powerful. It takes over something that's incredibly powerful, and then it baffles that fucking someone, and it, and it's quite cunning in how it does it because it does it as us. So every time you meet alcoholism in you, you call it me. So, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcoholism. I'm going to change it. Yeah. For by this time, by this time, what time is this? Like by the time you've hit around the 10th step in AA, yeah? By, by this time, sanity will have returned. The sanity, that's the opposite of the insanity that precedes the first drink. It's not the insanity, oh, I'm insane when I dance, no. It's that insanity in the mental state that precedes the first drink. Sanity will return. In other words, that first urge that, tr that triggers the whack is muted, yeah? So now you don't have the trigger. So now you're in not starting, yeah? Yeah, it's beautiful, because sanity has returned. It's replaced the insanity that was there that preceded the first drink. Now there's sanity. And therefore, there's no, you don't proceed to the first drink. Yeah? Yeah. All right, so it says, we will, uh, if tempted, we recall, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. I think that's dramatic, but yeah, it's sort of like that, yeah? <laughs> You don't like recoil from it. You're just sort of not interested in it, really. You know, it's like recoil from it. When I go down the liquor aisle and say, wait, recoil <laughs> like a hot slave. Can you imagine if you went up and <laughs> fire? What happened? Someone recoiled as if a hot slave. No, I think it's a nice poetic description. Uh, if tempted, we recoiled from it like a hot flame. We react sanely and, and 
uh, and normally, wow, that's amazing. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. Yeah. We will not, we will see that, that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes, exactly. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. Wow, that's incredible. Now, if this problem has been a huge one for you, for it to be removed is an amazing solution. I think there's a lot of solutions in this world that don't really deserve the word solution. But this one does. Yeah? That thing that's so influential in my life for so many years that no human power could change. Because my mother wanted it to change. I wanted it to change. The state wanted it to change. A lot of things wanted it to change, but no human power could do it. Something brought it about. Yeah? That's something I feel quite intimate with now. It does, instead the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. And I really like it when it doesn't exist as us, because I really think the root of the problem is identification as self, yeah? If it doesn't exist for us, those experiences can change, but when it doesn't exist as us, that's more of a stabilized condition, yeah? It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. This is how, this is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. All right. To me, I th believe we are a spiritual condition. Yeah. I believe what the, the steps of AA do, they diminish a mental condition. I think there is no spiritual malady, there's a mental malady. And the mental mal malady, there's an over-attentiveness over and interest into the mental state, really. We're absorbed. If you could see it in a diagram, it would be like those dogs, when they have manes, they put those plastic cones on. You could see everyone walking around like in their own satellite dish, just listening to K-Paul, basically not feeling, tasting, just being thought about all fucking day. You know, that to me is what it's like. So what happens is that m mental <laughs> fucking being up the ass of self, <laughs> you know, <laughs> AA's like that divine proctologist. It'll pull you out of the ass, and when you're out of the ass of self, let's say like when you're doing service, what is your experience? Hey, you feel available, don't you? Yeah, you're here. And then when you're here, you sense a presence. And then when you realize that basically is your actual state, then what happens is instead of doing service, and the only way I feel that is doing service, suddenly you grow into an attitude of being of service because now you're present and available. Because you don't believe you need to get into the moment, you've realized you can't be out of the moment. 
The mental state comes after the spirit's condition. It cannot obscure the spirit's condition. We outshine circumstances and situations. So if I was new the first year, if the problem resides in the mind, you don't want the thought system to have a lot to say about your sobriety. Yes? So what we do, we take action, and we take action over and over again until those actions become habits. And a habit is an action without thought. Yes? So now I don't think about going to a meeting, I think which one? Because I'm in the habit of going to meetings, yes? I'm in the habit of being available. I'm in the habit of all this, yes? And we have sound principles that don't vary like the circumstances and situations. They're like North Stars that you can follow. They're sound principles. And if you get ingratiated to them, they'll see you through all the thick and thin. Yeah. And therefore, you'll live your life as I'm going to put my foot out with an assurance a stair will appear instead of having life guarantee me a stair before I put my foot out. I'm just going to fucking put my... like. I have traveled so much, and I just always buy the fucking ticket first. I never plan the trip. I just buy the ticket, and then it happens, yeah? This is sort of the attitude to me of AA. It says we have a new employer being all-powerful. He'll take care of us. Why aren't we acting like that? Why aren't we acting like we're being taken care of? Yeah. That's it, I think. <laughs> can go on and on, but, uh, you know, the whole fucking dinner, dinner is here energetically. Fuck, <laughs> you can feed on it now. You don't feel a loving presence. You don't feel something in the room, an energy. That's it. That's what we rely on. That's what brings, that's the presence that's, that's the grace. That's where the intuition, intuitive thoughts come. All of this, that, this energy that's always available at all times, right where we are with no requirement necessary. Yeah. Take care of the action figure and the brain of the action figure through AA. Yes. And your spirit is going to shine out. I've done it 35 years I've been under this influence. We're not talking about hearsay or hope or possibilities. These are observations. I have observed that the problem doesn't exist for me anymore. I haven't had a strong thought or a feeling about alcohol or drugs in 31 years. I, I, I understand the word serenity and I know peace. I have contentment. I know what the word enough means. All of this has occurred through the auspices of this program. It is a design for living. It's not a weekend retreat. It's going to change our attitude and outlook. 
not change our experience. We're at masters at that. I could change my experience right now by having a coffee or fucking smoking a cigarette or drinking or whatever. No, it's going to change our attitude and outlook. It's going to change how we see things. It's amazing, really. A new happiness and a new freedom. A new attitude and a new outlook. Stop trying to renovate the old. Fucking, it's dead. You're not going to have... You're not going to enjoy... <coughs> I swear, man. You think after months of AA, you're going to enjoy a shot of cocaine? <laughs> it's fucking... That party's over. Something in, you, something in you knows better now. There's no fucking way. It's no fucking way. And if you shoot or do drugs to get out of AA, you'll probably have to come back to AA. Because there'll be nowhere else to fucking go. <laughs> so you might as well just stay here. <laughs> oh, I'm getting off this fucking horse. You jump off the horse and then you drag right back to the same horse and you got to get back on it. You might as well just stay on it. <laughs> if you're an addict and an alcoholic, you're fucked. <laughs> That's our salvation. Really. Powerlessness is our salvation. The admittance of powerlessness is how we access power. Like it or not, that's the way it is in AA. It's surrender. Surrender. And in AA, the surrender is immediately followed by action. You do step four through nine. Because the third step is a decision because our life is already occupied by the disease of alcoholism. It's not our life and will to turn over. It's been already turned over to alcoholism. So we have to find a higher power, yes, to fulfill the decision. We can't do it in our present condition as being taken over. So we do four through nine to weaken the hold of the parasite. So suddenly we now have power behind that decision and we have power behind the other decisions like we make. When we take a six-month commitment, we show up, yes? We start having power that people can believe what we're saying finally, because we didn't even believe what we were saying out there. People, this and that, that all comes from the enlivening of the decision of the third step is produced by four through nine, the working steps. That's what produces the flesh and blood of the third step, yeah? Because you've diminished, diminished the power of the parasite, and the parasite only respects a power greater than it. It doesn't respect the host. It's feeding off of it. It respects the power greater than itself. And AA introduces us to that power and allows us to live a life that keeps us in contact with that power so we can enjoy a daily reprieve from alcoholism for how many years, as long as you live. So, any questions tonight? Yeah. Yes? Um, quick, I just like Rob. I um, you, you just mentioned surrender, and like my own experience with it is that like it, it was something that kind of happened to me. It wasn't something I, I did. I was surrendered, you know. Um, 
But I, I, I've worked with a lot of guys, and some of them <laughs> ask, how do you do it? How would you offer that, like, a direction of surrender to do someone? Do four through nine. But the surrender, the feeling of the surrender is definitely grace. But if you, after you've had that feeling of surrender, you can entertain it for the rest of your life. Yes? You now know surrender. So the, the knowledge of surrender is given. Maybe it will be given after they do four through nine. Because once you have the knowledge of surrender, that leads to surrendered, which is a state. Yeah? Where the idea that you're not managerial quality doesn't come up for review every year. It's just a foregone conclusion, almost like an absolute. Yeah? It's done, and you're surrendered. Yeah. But of course you need that flavor. But I bet you the opportunity of them having it will increase if they do four through nine. Yeah. Uh, actually, did you, did you have a question? Oh, I did. You mentioned earlier about your mother wanted something for you, this state, this and that, but it never happened. But I was wondering, what was the catalyst that actually got you either in the program or to start on Something this? just, I was sitting in a trailer park, just had, just had come to, out of a blackout. There was a guy across from me who I didn't know. We were drinking a bottle of Royal Gate vodka, cheap vodka. I looked at him. He had a big head, <laughs> bulbous nose, varicose veins all over it. I said to myself, this guy's a fucking bum. <laughs> Lo and behold, he was looking at me like I was a bum. <laughs> Something stopped. Like this pause you're feeling now. I recognize it much more now than then. It was quite unusual, and my head stopped, and it was just uh, like a portal opened, something came in, like a CNN news flash, and it didn't come into my head, it went to what we would, we call the innermost in AA. I don't know what that is, but I know what it ain't, and it ain't the mental state. And it went to the innermost, and it was like a CNN news flash, just a headline, and it was, I'm fucked. Now, people who knew me knew I'd been fucked for quite a while. But you cannot believe the muscle of denial addicts and alcoholics have. You cannot believe it. Like Arnie Schwarzenegger's. They are adept at keeping a lot out. Yeah? But it hit me. And, uh, and then it, the little, you know, like a book where it would be like, I'm fucked. And then they have that little written in it. And it was, and I'm not managerial quality. It was the little piece underneath it. <laughs> and that's never changed ever since. And then what was incredible, that probably would have dissipated in two days or three days. But life had me introduced to AA that afternoon. No, that, yeah, that night. A girl... Help, came up to help me, and I thought I had plans for her and I. She had had she had followed those plans with me, hadn't been that satisfying. So she said, no, you got to go to an AA meeting. She took me to my first meeting. I wasn't even looking to go to an AA meeting. And uh, that's where I met what was going to allow that download to extend in time, which was AA, the way of life of AA. I'm not an addict that could just do a weekend. It's not going to fucking, or 28 days. I spent two years in a program. It didn't do it. 28 days isn't going to do it. I need a, I need a way of life. And this is what AA, AA offers, yeah? 
So that's what happened. But I, to me, it was easy because that deep urge to and or, and the uh, supporting of the thought system to get loaded was dismissed quite a lot. I haven't had a strong thought or a feeling about it, so I've had the easier, softer way. Well, yeah, a follow-up on that. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, we're sisters, but anyway. So all these people that wanted you to stop, <clears throat> really, that's just, they're wasting energy. Totally. Whatever they're doing. Well, they may have got something then out of it, yeah, but for sure. Well, See, well, for themselves, but not you. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you do people a disservice <clears throat> keeping them from their bottoms, yeah. That's right. And now the unfortunate thing in this world and, and probably in this room, a lot of people here are, who wants them to be sober is their parents. Mm -hmm. So they put them in programs and the people have no really interest in it. They still think they have it going on and they have it all sussed out and they're seeing this as a minor interruption to their master plan. But in fact, so it's in a way it's weird because now they'll think they know what AA is and they'll be it'll be off the uh, table for a solution. So there's weird things going on now that so many people are being introduced to recovery, not based on their own interest or lack of interest. Yeah, that's a drag, I think. So I didn't, I never knew of AA or anything. So if we've been in that situation and someone that a relative, we mentioned our, our brother, has been in several IOPs, he went into a rehab for not even 21 days, uh, and comes out and just picks up again. It, I guess what we're struggling with, is there anything we can or should do, or should we just... Well, he's probably around? not going to hear it from you anyway. Usually, my own experience, it, the people who want the person the most sober is probably going to be heard the least, really. You know, seriously, my experience. So, uh, there's Al-Anon. Just learn because it's weird. Let's say on Thanksgiving, the alcoholic isn't there, but everyone's talking about him. They'll dominate all the energy everywhere. That's what it, that's what alcoholism does. It's like a vampire type thing. So, uh, yeah, just learn. Al-Anon's a great uh, program. It teaches you how to stay. You know, have that love, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's my experience with it, yeah. yeah. But I don't like the idea of, it's all person to person, but I'm a real believer in not keeping people from their bottom because I lost a lot of respect for all the people who tried to help me. I needed a big fucking boot up my ass, really. I didn't need uh, help. I needed to be let out, you know, left out to dry until something happened, and it did, yeah, yeah. So, it's a tough place to be, but... It's yeah. a tough place but to be, but yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an This parasite, we're outmatched. Most people aren't coming out of this death spiral. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. My, my, my nephew I've known since, you know, my oldest sister's... He's, he's a fucking addict and a manic depressive. He's 56, 54 now. He's still living in Malvern, fucking somewhere in Long Island. It's just totally, I hear about from him about every eight years and he asks me for money, you know? And you know, I've heard a lot of alcoholics asking for money. This one hurts me a little more because it's my nephew. And you know, sometimes I give him money, sometimes I don't. I don't, oh, you have to put this, I said fucking, 
right now, I say any relief will be better than what he has. So fuck mm -hmm. it, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of people, this a parasite hides. It's got the greatest disguise. You think it's you talking to you. How can you entertain being free of what you're taking yourself to be? It's impossible. This is how it neuters everything. Your wanting to be free gets neutered because you want to be free as that, where the freedom is from it. It neuters it. It happened to me. I saw it when I was nine years. I saw self as a foreign fucking installment in that sentence I read, being convinced that self. I saw it. And then the next possibility was I can be free from it. Yeah. As soon as I saw it wasn't me, I could be free from it. And then in a flash, it explained I'd been trying to be free as it since I was six years old. And I get, I was, my whole life was captured by the statement in our community, self can't get out of self. That's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to get out of me as me. It doesn't work. So see it as something other. And then the, it's just like a car can't get out of a car, but a passenger can. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you see you're not that, the possibilities abound. I can get out of there. Yeah, yeah. That's why I do these talks. A lot of reasons. I feel I was shown the root of the problem, and I'm sharing it. And you know, it doesn't go over great at times. AA people have a lot of resistance. To, and if they smell anything and they say it's not AA, they're not open to it. But you know what? I've been fucking persistent. I've been sharing this for 20, 28 years in sobriety. Because I wanted to, when I pass away, I wanted to be here because a lot of people in AA fi don't find what they need at uh, certain points and then they leave AA. I want what they need to be in AA. So we brought non duality to AA. So that, because it's going to lead there anyway. I want it to be here for the tribe I'm in. That's the whole point. Because I'm sick and tired of seeing people suffer. Because they call me up a lot. <laughs> I just don't want to. <laughs> don't want to fucking hear it anymore. <laughs> Seriously. I just want them to just get on with it. And, uh, there is a solution. Get down to the exact nature of the wrong. It says it in our book. You've got to get down to causes and conditions and the exact nature of the wrong. What causes fear is self-reliance. Yes? see what self-reliance looks like it's faith in the thought system that's telling you how you were how you're going to be how it is how it was how it's going to be it's pontificating and forecasting constantly and we believe most of it we're in the state of false evidence appearing real to us most of the day yeah Um, if there's any family members that are struggling with um, having a loved one who's wrapped up in addiction, we have a family uh, group that we do every other Tuesday. And so tomorrow at 7.30 we have the group. And um, like you're talking about your tribe, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tribe of families on a peer-to-peer -peer level where there's no judgment and it's a 
very safe place to share your stuff. And the family's journey is kind of letting go of the ability to change another human being, which is impossible. Right. But getting support from people that are going through the same things you're going through. Last time I came here to Milestone, I went up to the office and I sat next to this couple. I would have say older couple. They're probably my age now. But I'm still thinking I'm 18. You know, they were an older couple, and they were in one of those unbelievable situations. Their son had left Milestone, got into a car accident, broke his back, and using yes, and they. The father was 33 years sober, the wife was like 29 years sober, and all their love, they were powerless yeah. over their son. And I sat there, and it was as raw as raw can be. They both, both knew it, yeah, and yet it's still, that's the condition. And it's, uh, you know, it goes against all logic that we have as being forces of love, Forces of love here sometimes don't force anything. This thing is a very powerful takeover. Yeah, I mean, my girlfriend can't believe, because she's a normie, she couldn't believe a woman would uh, abandon her kids or kids. And I said, well, come to some meetings and you'll fucking hear it. And she did, and she just, now she knows. She thought it was willpower, mm -hmm. this, and that this isn't about willpower. This is something takes us over and uses us for transportation mm -hmm. and then leaves us holding all the consequences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Any qu more questions? Yes. So I'm going back to when you were talking about yeah. <laughs> I'm going back to when you were talking about um, do, when we're doing our fourth step and how our resentments really aren't our resentments. Like, that's where I'm getting stuck. Like I still think of, I think of my fourth step, I have a new sponsor, I'm about to do another one. I still think of them as mine. Like I don't... Of course you think of them as mine. Yeah. <laughs> So That's where's, exactly it. Right. So where's the where's the change? Like where's the change is your before thought. The thought is why you're thinking them as yours. That's how the disease talks to you and presents its view through thought. It's telling you that they're your resentments. And there's faith in the thoughts, so you believe it's you telling you that they're real resentments. That's the perfect illustration of exactly what I've been sharing for an hour, or actually more so the other two nights. Exactly, yeah? You said, I think they're mine. Exactly. Yes. So it's really the disease manifesting yeah. itself in me. <laughs> Shit, yeah. <laughs> Got it. The thought system... The thought system... The thought system is failed, first of all. You have to also see the language. The language, and like an Italian, my girlfriend's Italian, she's surprised how much, how much ownership is in the English language. Like, they will say something, 
the English language is always implying it's yours or you did it. Where Europe, some Italian, they don't have that. Yeah, it, it's not in their language, and there's, he's always pointing it out to me. And so, like, you know, I was surfing, and then the knee went out. But when how I would explain it to people, and I got you know for the next fucking months when I was surfing was, hey, I hurt my knee. So it sounds innocent, but if you look at it, it sounds like I went out there with a hammer and I hurt my knee yeah, while I was surfing. No, I didn't hurt my knee. I became aware my knee went out, really, if I had the right thing. But the language is always, I hurt my knee. And the old one we used to always use is like someone came here and saw me, hadn't been here in a while, and uh, said, oh, you're growing your hair, Paul. And I said, yeah, I'm growing my hair. I'm doing pretty good. Looks really good, and I have a lot of pride for it, maybe a lot of shampoos and everything. And he was going bald, so I'm saying, hey, you're not looking so good. I said, you know, we, we get together on Saturday, a bunch of people, and we grow our hair together. It seems to be working with more luster. And I could go on and on and on and on and on, but it has nothing. I don't grow my hair. I just don't cut the hair, you see? But the language says I have a lot to do with a lot of shit I have nothing to do with. We're listening to this quite innocently all fucking day. Yeah. Yes? Right, yeah. And it seeps in mm -hmm. very easily. It's been an ongoing fuck. It's like living with a hypnotist, really. <laughs> it is. So, yes, the thoughts are, uh, maybe uh, there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing in the thoughts, yes. Yeah. Yes? Uh, could you talk, Tom, could you talk a little bit about... Uh, and maybe not yours if you don't want to share, but your experience with others and how they developed a higher power, you know, obviously it's going, you know, four through nine and doing the steps, but, um, you know, very early in the program, I would get stuck on step three, I'm like, oh, I got to get this higher power, and then talk to somebody and he'd say, oh, this is what my God looks like, well, I'm like, I don't think he looks like that, and, you know, well, you're supposed like, to have, it's supposed to, in the beginning, it's, it can be a higher power of your own understanding. Now, people tend to do that for 30 years, but it says really in the beginning and then going forward, you're going to learn other stuff about it. Yeah, but now people are stuck in that. But there's a, to mm -hmm. make it an easier uh, possibility, it's a higher power of your own understanding. But in my experience, it, it will move to a higher power of its own understanding, which is much more revelatory. Yes? So I had a higher power of my own understanding, which is quite small. So therefore, it's, you know, the higher power is getting me parking spaces, maybe a date, you know, a job, shit like that. <laughs> but then as I just continued with the program, it turned into uh, turning my will and life over to care of a higher power of its own understanding, which is like revelatory. Yeah, Because now then you're surprised quite a lot. And we did a simple thing in San Francisco in the first year of sobriety. The sponsors would have us write all that we wanted, you know, when we were first in, in one year of sobriety. And when we got to one year, if we did, we took them out and we all shortchanged ourselves completely. God gave us so much, life gave us so much fucking more. It was really almost embarrassing how small we were playing it. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yes, I'd much rather have that be telling me what it is instead of me telling me what it is. <laughs> you got to see this thing. We shared it the other day. This, there's a very small sentence that's 
I think incredibly important in the book, and it's, and it's preceded by first. And if you look at a linear program, first would be more important than next, yeah? So it says first, you got to quit playing God. It doesn't work. Now, to me, that's the whole key of the disease. I believe the disease is playing God in our head, yes? And this is the dilemma, though. If the disease is playing God in my head and is doing it right now, and the disease is saying, I'm the one who's hearing this, I got to quit playing God. And so that now, which is playing God, tries to quit playing God, that's playing God <laughs> ad infinitum, you see? <laughs> so this is why I think they said it before the third step, because if that which we're not, if that, if the disease is doing the third step, your experience will be, I surrendered, took it back. Surrender, take it back, surrender, take it back. You'll be the bigger God in the surrender, yeah? But if you see, and then so people say, well, how do then, how can we stop playing God? You don't. You just see you're not that which is playing God. What would happen if God saw it's not that which is playing God? I think some of God's juice would be removed from the thing that's playing God, Yes. I would say we are that. Yeah. <laughs> like to surrender Stanley. What? I'm surrendering Stanley. Yes. You can't <laughs> surrender you. Well, that's the abandoning of self. Mm -hmm. See, abandoning of self, if you read it, if it was you, how could you abandon it? You'd be there. You're abandoning something else. Mm -hmm. And it says yourself because you're identified with it. Yeah, so abandoning, this is how I view it. He may have thought he meant something else. I don't give a shit, because the big book was a download. It was meant to be opened up in a lot of different ways. So in my reading, yeah, to abandon yourself to God would mean that self must be different than you. I mean, <laughs> because if I abandoned me, I'd be there. Hey, I've abandoned me. I'm here. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't see, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't make sense. So quit playing God. You can't stop playing God as that which is playing God. Just see you're not that. That's how you quit playing God. Yeah. That's it, eh? Yeah. Hey, uh, we have... Two collector's items. They're all gone. <laughs> it's a 12-step book, and there's the escape to everywhere. So if you want it, who's, who's, who has the least amount of time here in the program? Does anyone know? Who's the first person? You? Hey, take this book, bro. What? <laughs>